Well, no longer do the Saints have to endure the, where's Sean Payton going to go? Will he ever come back here? What did they get for him? An Xbox and a bucket of rocks? I don't know. Maybe I'm just being Derry Downer, but I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to understand this. Maybe you can help me and we can all talk about it together. We'll do it with Jeff Duncan as well. Coming up on Datitude, it's next. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends out there who are just thrilled. The Saints have a first-round draft pick again. Bless your little hearts. Oh, boy. This is Datitude, episode number 137 for a Friday, February. The first show in February. February the 3rd, 2023. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times Speaking, the advocate at bet.nola.com, but you know that already. You came here to either commiserate or yell at your phones and iPads and whatever else, other devices you listen to this show on. Most of you, I think, even though the poll question that we released disagrees, I think most of you listening to this show probably agree with me. Because I don't know if people, we we released this poll, we did our first ever uh, Buy You Bets poll this week. It's going to be a weekly thing now where we send it out on Tuesday, the question, and then we talk about the results on the Bayou Bet Show on Thursday afternoons, and a lot of times going to bring it up here in Datitude, and this first one was certainly pertinent to the week's big story here in New Orleans, and that is the fact that Sean Payton was traded to the Denver Broncos, and you know, I, of course I exaggerate for an Xbox and a bucket of rocks, but it doesn't make sense to me. And I think that anyone's listened to me over the course of the past couple days on a show or through the way that I've written things or whatever knows that I feel that way. Is it better than an Xbox and a bucket of rocks? Yeah, I guess. But it doesn't make any sense to me at all. And the general public, if you want to just take, uh, we had four answers, basically two being a, a yes. There's a Big time, yes, it's the greatest thing ever. There's a, yeah, I guess it's all right. They had to do something. Then there's, no, but I I guess it's okay. And then there's, are you out of your mind, Mickey Loomis? And I'm in the, are you out of your mind, Mickey Loomis camp? I mean, to me, it just seems like Mickey is doing his friend a solid, right? Sure. Go to Denver. We'll take a first-round pick that's no different than a high-end second-round pick. Just get out of here. We don't have to talk, to you, talk about you anymore. Enjoy your time in Denver. Change Russell Wilson. Make him Drew Brees. Whatever you want to do. I, I mean, 
that's that's what it is to me. There's no other explanation. I mean, Jeff Duncan's coming on in a few minutes, and he's got another explanation, but I ain't buying it. I ain't, I'm not buying it that they don't think they could have gotten better or has gotten something better next year. I mean, we talked many times, and people that don't know anything about Mickey Loma says, and I knew this about him, <clears throat> excuse me, but he is a poker player. And as a fellow poker player, what do poker players do? They gamble. And it's not just, I mean, poker is kind of a metaphor for life in a way. And if you don't play poker, you don't get it. But, I mean, it, it, poker is not just about the game itself and trying to win money on any particular day. Of course, you're trying to win money. and you. But more than that, you're trying to win. More than winning money, at least for most poker players that I know, they're trying to win. You know your stats, or at least your recent ones. And... Mickey Loomis has to know that, yes, it would have been a gamble to wait and do it next year. But the chances are you would have been well served and this team would have been better served to wait and see what you got next year. And look, I'm, I know it's sound when you listen to this show over the past year and a half. I mean, there's been a lot of there's been more bad things to talk about than good. Let's be frank. I mean, the Saints' record over the past two seasons combined is a losing record. I mean, that's, it doesn't take a mathematician to figure that out. Nor does it take a genius who's been watching the Saints for the, at least the past two years know this. This team needs to get any capital they can get. They're in cap hell. We all know this as well. The next two years are going to be brutal trying to sign guys. I mean, I read the who wants to come to New Orleans thing. I, that's not it. I mean, basically the bottom line is when you're looking for a team is the two things that a player thinks about and not necessarily in this order is who can win and who's going to give me the most money. Some players, it's the former is their number one priority. Others, it's the opposite way. And no matter what it is, you have to ask yourself, if you're a free agent, can the Saints do either? So the number one card, and the only card that they really held going into this Peyton trade, was they had the most desired coach in the NFL. Or that was not in the NFL, but of all the coaches that were available, or potentially available, this year, and probably going into the next year, there's probably no more desired coach than Sean Payton. He's still young enough to go somewhere and coach for 10 to 12 years and change a franchise or continue the excellence of an already winning franchise. So if you hold this card that's so dear to potentially a dozen other teams whether it be this year or next year, why would you give that card away for what they got? It makes no sense. Other than, then A, you're doing your friend a favor, which is to the detriment of the team, in my opinion. Or, and or, I guess, you could say and or, you just want to be out of this situation 
and you don't want to talk about Sean Payton anymore. You want Dennis Allen to be his own coach and his own man, which I can understand. But that, that's not a good enough reason to give away your, your only trump card. I have yet to hear one person say, and I mean one person, and, you know, I like to bring up Zach Ewing on the show because we have our little tete-a-tetes. Sometimes I think we're arguing just for the sake of argument. And he brought up, well, it's not that, you know, not that bad. That, that's kind of the sentiment of a lot of people who, have, that's their opinion on this trade. No, oh, it's not that bad. Sure, it's not that bad. It's not that good either. Well, you don't know if they're going to get better next year. No, you don't know. But the chances are you would get something better next year. And you know what? If you don't, you take a gamble and you swing and you miss. They needed to take a chance. If they swing and they miss next year, they swing and they miss. This team is headed down the road to... Long-time rebuildville. I'm just being honest. And look, in, in, in regular life, I know, oh, he's been so down. Like, going back to what I was talking about. I am, for the most part, I know you may not think this if you just listen to these shows or you've seen me talk about this before, whatever, when it comes to the Saints. In life, in general, I am most certainly a glass-half-full kind of guy. But at the same time, I am realistic. I am not an over-optimist, and I'm not an over-pessimist either. I call it the way that I see it. Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. But here's what scares the hell out of me about having to watch this team over the next several years. And I hope I'm wrong. I think there's a much more likely chance than not that this team is a losing franchise for the next at least couple years. Could they be good next year? Absolutely. They could be good next year. If the things that they need to happen in free agency and in the draft fall in line and they do their due diligence and you look back and you say the 2023 offseason was one of the best in this franchise's history, putting Sean Payton aside, and they could... And the people, the players that they get and whatever coaches come in here and they all, and everything falls in line, they could be really good next year. And when I say really good, I mean realistically, I'm talking about this division stinks and the other teams don't make that big of a headway and at least one of them has a new coach and the Saints end up going 10 and 7 or 9 and 8 and winning a bad division with an easier schedule than they had last year. Is that possible? Absolutely. Is it likely? No. I mean, think about it. What is the like because I, I I if you look at it and be realistic. Don't look at it with the cup overfloweth, uh the mentality that you're riding on the magic carpet and everything's always great until you prove me otherwise. Be realistic. What are the chances this team is better next year than they were this year? At best. And I mean at absolute best, it's 50-50. So even if they're a little better, 
which is 40-60, then you're talking about, okay, they're 8-9. and nine. Maybe if they're lucky, they're 9-8. and eight. And maybe 9-8 and is good enough to win the d- division. So what? The goal of a franchise shouldn't be to just go 9-8 and eight and win a division. Who gives a damn if you go 9-8 and eight and win a division and then the next year you're 7-10 and 10 again? That's not what the goal of a franchise should be. The goal of the Denver Broncos, I can tell you in the immediate future, now that they have Sean Payton, is not to go 9-8 and eight and then they go 7-10 and 10 again. Do you think that's the goal of the Buffalo Bills or the Kansas City Chiefs or the Cincinnati Bengals or the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Dallas Cowboys or the Green Bay Packers? No. That's not the goal. I mean, sure, it's great if you go to the playoffs. Playoffs? See, I did it again. But I'm trying to be semi-serious here. That's not the goal of a franchise. The goal of this franchise when Mickey Loomis came here was to change the mentality and the way that all those years of losing, and sure, you had little glimpses of hope. You had Jim Moore that... You got to the playoffs for the first time. You went three more times. You won a couple division titles. Jim Hazlitt came in, mediocre, won their first ever playoff game. That's great, but that's not what the goal of a franchise is. Sean Payton changed all that. But now you have to wonder if you're back to, I don't want to say square one, but you're pretty damn close, square two. Is Dennis Allen going to be the one that's going to lead this team from the current abyss that they're in. Not going to do it with the current quarterback situation. Can this franchise endure two to three years of treading water? Not addressing because look, they've needed to address the they've needed to address the quarterback situation. I know you brought in Jameis Winston, but and I've told you that I thought Jameis Winston should have been the starter last year. When he, got, when he got healthy and was ready to come back. But that, that, that wasn't the long-term solution, and everybody knows that. Now, I wasn't thinking. At no point did I think Jameis Winston was a long-term solution for this team. Because when you're in the season, you're not talking about until it just goes super bad. You're not talking about what you think should happen in a year or two or three down the road. That's what you talk about in the offseason. The Saints have been in the offseason for a month now. So we're in the offseason. Do we, I mean, the the future of this team at quarterback is completely unknown. It's nowhere near this roster right now. Will they draft one? There's no, there's no, I mean, you don't know if they're going to draft a quarterback with the 29th pick of the draft. They may. They may wait till later. They may have their eye on someone that comes later. But if you're drafting one later and it's someone that's going to, sit in this roster and learn from an Andy Dalton, can you bear watching that crap for another year or two? Can you go through another season like we went through this past year? I mean, you may not have a choice. But that's that's where I'm going with this. So is it the worst deal in the world? No. I don't want it to sound like I think it's the worst deal in the world. But I don't think it's a good one. And I think they could have done much better by waiting. 
And that's where I stand. And uh, again, Jeff Duncan's coming on in just a moment. And we spent almost an hour talking about not just this, but, you know, he, he gets into the whole Sean Payton thing. And, you know, there's a lot of yahoos out there. And, I mean, I've known this throughout my entire journalism career. I mean, the ever since the advent of emails and whatever. And now social media has taken things to a new level. And I got to say, this year I've been, um, I guess, encouraged because I've gotten more positive comments and emails and whatever on social media than negative. But some people, some of the stuff I read, you people need to go climb in a hole. We had some comments uh, on the live stream this morning. Just people taking shots at Jeff Duncan. You're an idiot. If you're taking shots at Jeff Duncan, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. And I'm not just saying this to defend my colleague and my friend. You don't know, no one know, and I've said this a thousand times, and there is zero doubt in my mind. Other than the people on airline drive, there is no one outside of that organization that knows the ins and outs of the Saints more than Jeff Duncan. So he's not, when he's talking about something that, about Sean Payton, it's something that Sean Payton has told them. But no, that's not good enough for some people. He's just making this up. You're a moron. We got a lot of morons around the world, though. I mean, that's one thing that social media has done, if anything else, has shown you, you know, I'm glad I didn't grow up with this before because I'm a half glass, half full guy now, but I was a glass over fulleth. I know that's not a word. Overflowing fulleth kind of guy. Until social media came around. It has jaded me. I'm like, how can people be this stupid? How can people think that way? And I'm not just talking about the saints in sports. I'm just talking about in, in life. Some of the things that a grown men and women put on social media are mind-boggling as I digress on this Friday morning. I mean, do you, I'm, as, a, as a writer, more, way more times than not, I read something I post, even if it's completely innocuous, before I hit the send button. Same with a text. If I have a text, if I'm sending out a text and the little red light in my mind goes off, maybe you shouldn't send this text. I'm probably not going to send it. I'm probably going to hit the, you know, backspace button until it's gone and hit X. Think. I mean, people don't think. They just say the dumbest crap. It's mind-boggling. All right, I've digressed enough, but it all relates to 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 the Saints and and basically what I'm trying to say. But you know who says it better than me, Jeff Duncan. So let's hear from him, and then I'll wrap it up with a little happy time. Jeff Duncan, how are you this morning? Doing good, JD. Still waiting on uh, that king cake uh, that I owe you. I gotta I gotta pay you off on that. So we gotta figure out a plan. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna definitely. I think I'll make the uh, the announcement next Friday on our last live show of this calendar year. Um, we'll, we'll figure out what we're gonna do, but we'll have to get together too. Maybe we can mix in uh, a, a, an adult beverage or something with that king cake. Oh yeah, maybe we do it do our our datitude with the king cake. 
together or something like that. That, that would be interesting. Maybe we can have a few adult beverages before we do the podcast. <laughs> then we can have a lot of fun doing it. I don't know, man. Does adult beverage go with king cake? That seems a little like a bad combination. Maybe not. I don't know. You've lived in New Orleans for over two decades now. Adult beverages go with everything, don't they? Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, you know, you, you can celebrate. You know, it's only what uh, – a couple months till the Kentucky Derby's coming up. I know you're excited about that. And, uh, you know, spring, it'll be warm. I see you wearing a, a, a T-shirt. Well, you got the heat cranked up the Duncan abode? Yeah, man. I just was outside out front doing a little yard work. Yeah, I'm in good shape. I'm, it's- you were outside with, with, with short sleeves on. Yeah, it was fine. Okay. All right. Well, it's a little different here in the North Shore. It was like 44 degrees this morning. That's, that's a little too chilly for me. But I mean, look, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't. I'm going to take my shirt off, but All it was right. definitely... Well, uh, please don't. Yeah. Please don't. All right. Well, this morning, we are welcoming, as we do every Friday, welcoming your comments slash questions. And really, this morning, I'm interested to get... Uh, we're going to show some results from a, a poll question that we put up. We're doing a new uh, feature on our Bayou Bet Show on Thursdays where we, we put out a poll question. And we get your responses, and we post the results on Thursday's show. But I'm also going to post them here because... I find it very interesting. It's not what I expected at all because it's definitely not what I think. I'm certainly interested to hear your your feedback from from the events of the week. But first off, um, you know, obviously the the Saints trading Sean Payton to Denver for getting a first round pick this year, sort of. It's the 29th pick of the draft, and then next year getting uh, Denver's second round pick, and the Saints have to give up a third in in return. Um, before we get to what you think of the deal, um, I thought it was outstanding that you were able to talk to Coach Payton uh, about an hour or so after the deal was announced, and uh, he, had, he had a good bit to say. What, what, what was what was your feeling about what you know his excitedness and the level that he's glad it's probably all over now? Yeah, look, he was fired up. I mean, he called me actually. Um, I just mm-hmm. sent him a text, and he called me which I was surprised to get because I was in the middle of writing and uh, I could tell immediately how excited he was. And, um, you know, I think he wanted to kind of get his side out. There'd been a lot of bad reporting in in the interim Yep. and he had to kind of, you know, obviously you're going through a coaching search and a lot of high level meetings. You're not going to air that publicly. So I think he wanted to kind of set the record straight on the, um, on the coaching search process with Denver, how much he liked it, how much uh, he respects how they handled it. And, um, and also I think at the same time, let everybody know that he really respected Mickey Loomis, the way he handled the process. And uh, look, he's going to miss New Orleans. There's no doubt about it. Uh, But Denver is a great, uh, I think, place for him to start his second phase of his coaching career. They're deep pocketed owners there. Uh, they want to win. He's following. Uh, you know, he comes in there where they're really in need of a proven leader like him to kind of turn the program around. So there's a lot of good things for him there, and he was he was excited to get going. I mean, he had to, the press conference is going to be Monday, and he I think he was ready that day to to start getting get started work. We are taking your comments and questions all morning. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, you just type them in the comment section, and we'll be glad to put them up. Um, as Jerry does here. And Jerry, I'm so glad to see that you actually typed your name in. You're, you're Jerry now. So, I mean, we all knew who you were. But uh, 
He says, uh, what a roller coaster ride this week with the Saints and Pelicans, for sure. We're going to talk a little bit about the Pelicans towards the end of the show um, and their 10-game losing streak as they make a furious comeback last night in, in Dallas but, but can't get it done. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, all right, I'm, I'm interested to – we have not spoken since last Friday. I mean, we've texted but not about this. Um, so I'm very interested to get your the way you feel about this trade and, and if you think it's a good deal for – the Saints, because frankly, I mean, I, I've made it pretty clear over the shows that I've been on and just the insinuations I've made with some of the posts that I've had that I just don't, I think the Saints uh, didn't get enough in this deal. Um, I'll say why in a minute, but I, I, I have no idea what you're going to say. Well, I mean, I think, you know, I know I know where you're coming from on that. I just think, uh, you know, you can only get what the market bears. I yeah. know, you know, the thought would be, well, you know, just don't accept it. But I don't know how realistic that is if, if they held off. Uh, to me, it came down to Denver for Sean Payton or he was going to return to the, the TV studio with Fox. He wasn't going to go to Arizona, wasn't in the picture at Carolina. So it really it was one team. So Mickey Loomis did not have a ton of bargaining power there. There was only one team really in the mix. He knew that. And I think, you know, Sean told me he talked to Mickey uh, I think it was on Monday night. I think that deal got announced on Tuesday. He talked to Mickey. I guarantee you they basically talked about, let's just get this thing done. Uh, you know, they've been together a long time in their careers. And, and you know, I, I think, you know, it could have gotten ugly. It could have gotten contentious. Both sides could have dug in. Uh, you know, if Mickey would have done what you're saying, tried to drive a harder bargain, this thing could have ended up in court, Jim. I mean, it, it could have ended up where Sean said, well, I'm going to walk in that door and start coaching. What are you going to do? Like arrest me? You know, like it, it could have got, it wasn't going to get that far, but it could have gotten to that, uh, you know, arbitration or a lawsuit. So n- neither side wanted that. So I think both sides wanted to, to kind of, uh, once it was established, Sean Payton won this job. I think Mickey Loomis wanted to get the best deal he could. And I think getting a first rounder and a, and a second rounder next year, which could be early second rounder if the Broncos aren't any good, um, you know, it's about as good as I think he was going to get. And the other thing I'd say real quick is that you have to also have to understand the two general managers involved in this, yeah. George, George Payton and uh, Mickey Loomis, both of them coming off disappointing seasons at their respective jobs, right? Both of them need a little – they need some wins, if you know what I mean. Mickey Loomis needs to get some draft picks and get some hope for the fan base. George Payton needs hope for the Broncos after he hired Nathaniel Hackett and it was an utter flop. So both of them were motivated to get a deal done uh, to kind of start turning the tide on their respective uh, legacies. Well, here's how I usually judge things like this. Uh, I, when a trade's made, I try to look at both fan bases and see how they respond. The Saints fans are just kind of lukewarm. I would say overall they approve, but it's kind of a lukewarm approval. The Denver fans are jumping off. The, they they want to, like, go party in, in mile high right now. I mean, they're, they're, like, off the rails thrilled with this deal. So, to me, that, that, just, that, that says kind of, kind of a lot, kind of a good bit right there. And I just, I, look, I, I hear what you're saying. The Saints didn't want it to go far, but I also take something you said to me, it's it's almost Mickey Loomis doing Sean Payton a solid and saying, you know what, you want to go, 
we'll just get this over with and it's fair enough. Uh, let's get this circus out of here. And at the same time, the Saints held all the cards. I don't care. It's not going to court. It's not going to litigation. Sean Payton's not going to. I mean, I get what you're saying. He could have what he could have done. But to me. All right, you know, well, all right. What happens if Mickey Loomis says no? I mean, you know, what, what happens? I mean, he goes back to Fox. Well, I know. And then, then you think the fans are going to be happy about that. They don't get anything. And then I, next year, I think the fans were already resigned to the fact that he wasn't going to go anywhere. I mean, we talked about it last week. I know. I'm just even, saying. Even the fans that were like super, super like gung ho, let's get a first round pick, were they were already resigned to the fact that it wasn't going to happen. And I think most of them had already said, "Okay, it's not going to happen. We'll we'll talk about it again next year." I mean, but I that's think different. That's different than if you know there's a negotiation going on and there's a chance you can get something. It's different if. Sean says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going back to Fox. And you had no chance to get anything. But if somebody finds out, fans find out, wait, wait a second. We had a chance to get a first and a second and we let him walk. And now next year it might not be nearly that much. I mean, that's the risk that Mickey Loomis had to consider. Well, you talk about Mickey Loomis being this, this poker player and, and by all accounts is, is a, is a great one. Um, You think he'd want to gamble a little bit. I mean, to me, you're you're gambling on a, I mean, it, let's let's say it would be like sort of like the Saints playing playing Philadelphia. I mean, and you're betting on Philadelphia. I mean, you you, it, it, you the odds are in your favor. I, I'm just saying the odds were in the the Saints' favor to hold out and wait and get a better deal next year, in my opinion. Because to me, what, what we've talked about the how the only good thing is this team is super cap strapped. So it helps them in the fact that to get another pick, you get a solid player in there that's probably, whoever it is, is going to probably start next year. Um, so that helps you in that facet that you don't have to go out to free agency and get whatever player that was. But at the same time, they're not going to be in that much better shape next year. I think, you know, I look, I'm just being, I'm trying to be realistic. And I think the Saints are going to be in a position to where they're going to have to make even the changes they got to make this year, they're going to have to even make even more after the 2023 season, in my opinion. And so I think to try to get a better deal for next year, I think would help them better in the long run, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I think Mickey Loomis was thinking, let's start let, let's start this rebuilding phase, if that's what you want to call it, right away. And I think the other thing that you're not considering um, that I think was a heavy factor here was they didn't want – the specter of Sean Payton hanging over this. That I can understand. For another year, and especially for Dennis Allen. I mean, I think I think Mickey Loomis wants desperately, for a lot of reasons, Dennis Allen to take this ship and get it righted. And he he desperately wants him to win. I mean, Sean, well, of course uh, sorry, Mickey, Lo- Mickey Loomis hired him, and this is Mickey Loomis's chance to kind of establish his own legacy without Drew Brees and Sean Payton. So, He's invested in Dennis Allen being successful. And I think having all the fans out there thinking, boy, could Sean Payton come back again next year? That, that's the last thing they wanted. Well, I understand that part of it. Now I do. But I, I just, I think you're, like I've said, we, we both said really, it's really the only set, the only chip that the Saints have held throughout this whole process. Now they hold no chips, in my opinion. I, I want to get to the, the fan. We, we talked about this poll and I didn't put this together in our own graphics, so I just took the graphics from the poll that we, uh, the poll source that we used. And the question 
that I put out this week was, did the Saints receive enough compensation for Sean Payton? The options of choice were, number one was, without a doubt, any first-rounder is better than none. That would have been, like, gung-ho happy. The next one was, I guess so, but sure seems like they could have gotten more. The third choice would have been, no, but I don't hate it. And the one that I would have chosen had I involved myself in the poll was, has Mickey Loomis lost his damn mind? This team is doomed. Now, I don't think that this team is doomed per se. But the the responses I found were interesting. So the top two responses were the positive responses. If you look at the percentages, it's about 59% say that the Saints did the right thing. And so that leaves about, you know, 31% or so that said that they did not do the right thing. I, I was I got to say, I was surprised by this response. I thought it would be about 50-50 and maybe geared a little bit towards no. So fans in the, in the grand scheme of things seem to be satisfied, not thrilled with the results. Yeah, I think part of that was Loomis somewhat establishing uh, expectations early on. I mean – he told me he was going to start off asking for two firsts, but I think he knew that was the starting point and that he'd end up getting you know what he wanted, which was a first and something else. And I think he got that. He got pretty much what he wanted, maybe a little more, to be honest with you. He got, I think he got a good deal considering the cloud. But in your, in your point of view, I get it. I mean, somebody said something to me in this process that I think makes a lot of sense. If you're a Broncos fan, why you should be – Happy. Basically, Denver, if you if you consider the swap of the second rounder for the third rounder is like a maybe an even swap or maybe yeah. maybe a little Why bit. Why even more. do it? Yeah, if you consider that just kind of an even swap, basically Denver got Sean Payton for Bradley Chubb. And you'd do that deal in a heartbeat all day, every day. You get a coach, a Hall of Fame coach that's going to be with you presumably for the next decade or so and can change the culture and lead to, uh, you know, division championships or contention and all that for a pass rusher, you know, you do it in a heartbeat. Uh, so I, I understand your point, but I think the market really wasn't there for Sean Payton. I, I think there would have been a better market next year, but then you've got a full 100%. year, you know, a full year to wait. So I, I, the market would have absolutely been better next year with, teams that have better quarterbacks that would have been probably better suited for, for Peyton. And I got to be honest, I'm surprised he wanted to go there in the first place. Now money talks. I understand that, but I don't know what he saw from Russell Wilson or that team that makes him think that he can win, especially in that division, which could be one of the toughest, if not the toughest in football. And I I just, I don't get it. You get to play Mahomes twice a year. Um, You know, I think the, the Raiders will be, a little bit better. Um, the Chargers are certainly well. I mean, their their coaching situation is awful. So, but I think they're they're a, a good football team. Could be great if they had a good coach. Here's a here's a a comment. I guess the 29th pick at quarterback will not start. Who's to say they're going to draft a quarterback? I, I don't I don't necessarily think you got the 20. I think they will draft a quarterback in this draft. But that doesn't mean with the 29th pick of the draft they're going to take a quarterback. Will not start. And that's. You don't know the, that that's true either. I mean, the 29th picks have started before at quarterback. They should have sat on Sean Payton for one more year. Obviously, I agree. There's no Gruden deal. That was 20 years ago. That wasn't going to happen. So uh, let, let's, let's, let's get past that. I mean, I agree with, oh, baby, I'm almost ready to some extent. 
Uh, I agree that they should have waited one more year, but I don't. I don't agree with the Saints. Definitely can get a pick that could come in and start right away. And again, it's not necessarily going to be a quarterback. I think they'll draft a quarterback that goes. Hold on, there was another comment in here um, that I forgot to post up. That I had a good question from Royce. If we can acquire David Carr, would Hendon Hooker still be in play in the draft? Um, Hendon Hooker is not going to be going before the 29th pick of the draft. So if that's what you're looking for, I think Hendon Hooker will still be available. There are going to be plenty of quarterbacks to be had this year. Yeah, it's going it's to be a good year for quarterbacks. I, I'll be surprised uh, if they're in the Derek Carr hunt. I mean, Derek Carr is going to come in. going to be able to afford him. Yeah, it's too much money. I, I mean, they could make it work, but they have to gut the rest of the roster. Makes no sense to me right now where they're at in this stage of their uh, of roster building. But, uh, you know, here's the other thing you have to think about. When you wait a year, and I know this, this is a little esoteric, but when you wait a year, that's – when you draft somebody at 29 like they will this year, there's going to be a player on your roster helping you win this year that you don't have. So there's a value to that. There's a value. In, it's no different than, than you know, having money in your hands or waiting a year to get money in your hands. There's value to you having it and, and being able to invest it or do with it what you want. That's why it's always, you know, better to have the, the thing in hand early because then you have that asset. So the, the Saints, by getting that player, now can, uh, you know, invest in their roster this year as opposed to waiting another year without it. So it's just a, a roster-building, general manager type of thought process. Jim Derry, Jeff Duncan here on the Datitude Podcast. We're live every Friday. Well, I'll say that. We're almost to the end of our season. We're going to take a brief hiatus after next Friday. Uh, also, a programming note, there will be no Datitude on Monday. I'm going to take uh, Monday, the, the pod portion, off as I dive deep into analysis. I'm going to spend a lot of next week uh, going through every little thing you can possibly go through and trying to make my final Super Bowl prediction and uh, some props and we're going to have all kinds of things on bet.nola.com next week. And it's going to take, I've already kind of started, <clears throat> excuse me, but we're going to have a full week of all those sorts of things. So no pod on Monday and next Friday will be the final live attitude for Dunk and I until probably around the draft. We'll probably uh, get together around the draft and, and do some things then. And then obviously a few here and there during the summer and uh, before we get back to the football season back next August, probably. But um, look, uh, we could talk about this for a long time. I know there's other things that we want to talk about, and we don't want to be on the air for an hour and a half today. I just, I hear what you're saying, <clears throat> and I get the point that you want to make this Dennis Allen's team, but it, the things that you're talking about all lead to sort of a rebuilding kind of thing. And I thought that's not where the Saints want to be. I mean, it, you're talking about, I mean, I know you got to go through this cap process and you talk about all the time about not being able to kick the can down the road any longer, but all these things we're talking about to me leads to a rebuild. If that's where the saints want to go, great, but let's, let's don't, let's don't make it sound different than it is. Well, I mean, I don't know how like not, not taking a draft pick this year and, and waiting till next year, uh, to me, that's even more of a rebuild. You know, you're waiting down the road for it. But but here's the thing. I, I don't think they're looking at this, just knowing how Mickey Loomis thinks and probably how Dennis Allen thinks. I think they're still looking at this team, especially with the way the NFC South is and no more Tom Brady in Tampa. That thing's wide open. So they probably look at their roster and feel pretty good 
about being able to compete uh, once they get through this uh, transition of what they're going to do in free agency and who they're going to cut, who's going to be the cap casualties. They obviously have to address the quarterback position. But I think they would look at it and say, man, if we can get an upgraded quarterback in it, I don't think it has to be huge, but uh, a Jimmy Garoppolo type, somebody like that, that's an upgrade over what you had, I think they feel like, hey, we could easily win this division next year uh, and get in the playoffs while we're transitioning to the future and kind of getting our roster back in order. I know you're not going to say anything bad about what I'm about to say, but <clears throat> I'm going to say it anyway. It, what scares the hell out of me is that we're going to go through another season of, of Andy Dalton. And if, if you do, again, I'll say the same thing I said 15 weeks ago. You're staring 6-11 and 11 in the face, then we're standing here, sitting here next year and saying they should have just started the rebuild process because now you delayed it a year. I just, that's what scares the hell out of me. If they get Jimmy Garoppolo, great. I think he's an improvement over Andy Dalton. I think he could be this team's quarterback for the next 8 to 10 years, um, somebody like that. But there aren't enough free agents like that that the Saints can afford. I think Derek Carr would be a massive improvement. And I know a lot of fans disagree. I think Derek Carr is a franchise quarterback. Um, but, you know, Dunk, I'm looking through the money and what the Saints would have to do. Is it worth gutting your roster? Because then you go through two years of now you, there's no question. You got to go through all this rebuilding. You have to hope no, you know, that they don't have the injury problems they've had the past two seasons. I just, I don't, I don't think there are cards a possibility. So it's either Jimmy Garoppolo or get lucky in the draft. And do you want a rookie quarterback starting for you? We saw what happened with, with Atlanta last year. They should probably should have just started Desmond Ritter from the beginning. Well, to me, what they do at quarterback is going to really be the, the divining rod or the weather vane for what they're thinking about the roster and the team in general, right? Yeah. I mean, we're going to find out really quickly the, the moves they make at quarterback, how they feel about the team. Do they feel they're competitive? They can win right Great. now. Then they're going to bring in a veteran guy that can win right away and try and win. If they don't do that and they decide to go in the draft – uh, and draft a rookie, then they're saying we're building for the future. We're sticking with Dennis Allen. He's got a long runway with us. There's no more specter of Sean Payton. We're going to ride this out and lean on our stability and culture and all the things they talk about. And there's going to be a little bit of a transition. They could do something like both, right? I could see them doing that. But I can't see them getting in the big-name quarterback hunt because they just I don't see how they can do it financially and draft a rookie at the same time. It, it can happen, I mean, but it's very be very difficult with the shape of their salary cap situation and knowing that they still want to sign some of their own free agents. You know, I, I think they'd like to get Marcus Davenport back. I, I know they want Caden Ellis back. I know they'd like to get Carl Granderson under contract. Those guys are going to command decent contracts, and uh, it's going to make it even harder, I think, to get a, a top quarterback considering those limitations. Wish they could have found a way to get Trey Henderson to stay here. Yeah, and that would have been uh, that would have been a big help. Um, look, and they uh, got to hire a defensive coordinator now. You know, like they got a lot of they got a lot of big decisions to make. Well, I mean, a defensive coordinator to me is not as huge a deal because it's it's sort of like the reverse of Sean Payton and Pete Carmichael. I mean, um, you know, Sean Payton was the OC without with giving it the title to Pete Carmichael, and I think Pete's a great assistant coach. I don't. And that's a whole different story. But we know that Dennis Allen, the Saints are better. Put it this way. The Saints are a better football team when Dennis Allen is calling the defensive plays. 
I think that's that's clear and unmistakable. One thing that you you, you talked about just now that that another thing that that pops up, you know, we talk about whether the what the fans are going to feel, but what are the is Dennis? Are they going to be able to? They're committed to Dennis Allen. I, I get that. He would have to do awful next year for him not to get a third season. I think we, you and I both agree. I don't think the fans agree with that, but I think you and I both agree on that. But what happens if next year is worse than this year? They finish five and twelve, six and eleven, which is, I think, more likely than not. I got to be honest. I mean, we'll see what happens in the draft. We'll see what happens with free agency. But let's say. For argument's sake, they go six and eleven next year, and the fans are just screaming for Dennis Allen's head. You, you and I both know it's probably not going to change. Then what? Yeah, look, I mean that's what Mickey Loomis has got to figure out. I'm sure he's evaluated all that, those possibilities, and considered them all. Um, yeah, there's look the Saints. You're talking to them just on the business side of things. I think we've talked about this on the program before. Um, the Saints, the way they're built financially as a small market club, they lean heavily on season ticket sales yes. for a huge amount of their revenue, more yes. than most teams, because they don't have the corporate base, the Fortune 500 companies. They need. I think the description I've heard before is, you know, we're the Walmart of the NFL. You have to have, like, low margins but high turnover, right? High sales, and you have, you know, small profit margin. So they need to always be good because they have to sell tickets. I mean, they can't afford to have, you know, the dome not full. Now, for the most part, they they do sell their season tickets ahead of time, so it's not a problem. But if that starts to taper off, that's a big deal for the Saints. They can't really afford that. They have to have the dome sold out before the season every year. They've done that for now, what, close to 20 years. But uh, there's a lot of people, and I've got friends and colleagues that tell me they're, you know, they're going either they're canceling their season tickets or they're going from 10 down to four. You know, they're making they're making hard decisions. It's a tough time with inflation right now. It costs a lot to go to NFL games. And when you go, you want to see a good product, not only a winning product, but you want to see an entertaining product. And that's really, in my opinion, when you're looking at the 60,000-foot view of what Mickey Loomis and, and, and management and ownership have to determine, that's what they have to find out is, are people going to continue to go to these games even if they're winning, but it's 17 to 13. You know, uh, for so many years, even when the Saints were losing with Sean Payton and Drew Brees, they were fun to watch. You know, yeah. they had one of the best offenses in the league, and, you know, they threw it all over the dome. Uh, defensive football wins a lot of games, but it's not the most exciting, sexy thing. And I think that's something that they have to take into consideration. No, and I think that's exactly goes to my point of, if Dennis Allen has another six and six and eleven, seven and ten kind of season, I'm not sure that this. T- it's not like when Sean Payton was here and they went seven and nine three years in a row. Not just because of the offensive show and Drew Brees and all that. That I mean, there was a feeling that this team was going to be back to where they were, even when they went seven and nine three years in a row. I didn't necessarily think that way. I was proven wrong, and, and gladly so. But they did get back to where they were before. But it's a different feeling now. It, and whether they do or don't, if you have another season like this, Saints fans aren't going to feel that way. They, they don't have the confidence. There is no Sean Payton. There is no Drew Brees. And so to, to your point, could this be a time when, you know, I know they're, the Saints are going way down their season ticket list now. Remember when they had like, I don't know, 15,000 or 20,000 on a waiting list? It's not like that anymore. 
They're going way down their waiting list, I know. And so there isn't going to be a waiting list anymore if they have another season like they had last year, and especially if they have like two more, and they have to rebuild. That's it's a it's a tough scene for Mickey. So that's why I don't know that he can uh, afford. And I, look, we're putting the cart ahead of the horse. They they could the division's certainly easier next year, no matter who Atlanta. I think Atlanta and Carolina both are going to be better. I think Tampa Bay is going to be bad next year. We'll see who they get in free agency. Um, but we know that Frank Reich's going to get him a quarterback. I don't know who that's going to be. Uh, Atlanta, I would be surprised if they don't get a quarterback, even with Desmond Ritter there. But the schedule is much easier next year than it was this year. But that being said, you can't afford to, to go. To me, they they got to have a winning season at the, at the minimum. And, and, look, I think this quarterback decision, the vision Dennis Allen, Mickey Loomis are going to have to make, I mean, it, it really is it's vital, I think. And that's why no I really question. think, you know, there might be, J.D., you know, some creative options that people just aren't thinking of right now. I know how Mickey Loomis thinks. I mean, he's, he's a sharp guy, and he will explore all avenues. So maybe the, the obvious, right, oh, free agency, get a veteran, draft one, a Hendon hooker, that's the obvious avenues. But what about a trade for, you know, look, I'm just throwing things out. I, I don't, and there's no intelligence behind this. I'm, I'm just throwing out ideas, but – you know, we heard recently where Justin Fields was, you know, possibly on the market. You know, you make a trade for a player like that or, or Trey Lance. Maybe maybe the Niners decide, hey, you know what? We're going to go with uh, Brock Purdy. Uh, we can deal Trey Lance. I'm not saying these things are going to happen, but there's all kinds of other creative options where maybe the Saints say, well, you want Mike Thomas in return? Uh, you know, we have an, we have some assets here. Done. You it's see done. what I'm saying? Done. There, I think there's a little more creative. Mike Thomas for Trey Lance, done. Well, and you'd have to throw in more. But, <laughs> but the point is, there's there's other ways to get this done where you get a quarterback on a rookie salary, and it works well with what the Saints are doing. It gives fans some hope. You build around it. Uh, you know, I would look into that hard. I mean, if I were them, I'd make a call to the Niners and say, what are y'all going to do now? They probably want to keep both those guys and figure out who's the best, but uh, you know they're not going to be able to have both those guys forever. Uh, so I just think there's some options there that we're not thinking of that could be percolating on airline drive that might solve this issue and and make it financially feasible at the same time. Uh, you know, deal some of these op- assets on your roster because you know I've talked to them about Mike Thomas uh, privately. And I haven't written it yet, but, uh, you know, there's still a sliver of hope. I, I shouldn't say hope. That's not the right word. There's a sliver of possibility that he's back on the roster next year. Yeah. Uh, they haven't closed that door. But all likelihood, they're going to end up having to release him. But I think they'd love to be able to maybe get something in return instead of just outright cutting him. So maybe you do talk somebody into taking on his contract in a trade uh, for a quarterback. I, I'm just throwing out all kinds of options here. Well, I mean, let's be frank, too. I mean, let, if the Saints got a, a decent free agent quarterback in here and it did look like they were making moves and they bolstered the offensive line and, you know, some things, Mike Thomas may want to come back. And, I mean, I, I know fans don't want to hear this or believe this, but I think part, a, a huge part of it is does he want to be here? And if he wants to be here, there's a whole it's a whole different story. Can a 30-year-old wide receiver who hasn't played basically in, what, three years, three years. Uh, come back come back and, and be anything close to what he was? 
We don't know the answer to that. It's possible. So, I mean, I agree. You can't close the door to, uh, to Mike Thomas coming back and being effective. And so, I mean, it, and I also agree with there are going to be, it happens every year. There are weird trades, weird moves where you shake your head and you go, what? How did that happen? I mean, it, it's, it's every year. It's just like last week going into conference championship week and the lines were pick them and minus two. But we both knew one of those games was probably going to be a blowout, right? I mean, because that's the way that it happens. I mean, that's so you can't expect you don't know what's going to happen. None of us know what's going to happen. And there are surprises every offseason. There are going to be plenty of surprises. Whether the Saints are involved in either any of those surprises, who knows? We have a question. We actually have some – this question is kind of related to some of the other comments from some other people that I have not shown their comments because I didn't like the way they got started with their comments. So um, we've just kind of ignored them. But this one kind of goes to a lot of the other ones, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post it here. Dustin McCann says he wants to know, and I, I'd have the same question, do you think Pete Carmichael can actually develop a player – like Justin Fields. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think the, I, mean, I don't think it's just one guy. I think it's a whole I agree. collaborative effort. I mean, Ronald Curry is a really good quarterback coach. Yep. I mean, he's interviewing for offensive coordinator jobs. Yep. I think here's a little a little possibility for you. I'll just throw this out there. I'm not breaking any news, but don't be surprised if Joe Lombardi's back uh, on this staff. You know, he's yep. been an offensive coordinator. They would have um, – you know what I mean? They would have some guys that would help develop. But I I just, as I'm sitting here imagining what we just talked about, if you all of a sudden got a, a young quarterback that's already in the league, Trey Lance or Justin Fields, a running quarterback, just start to think about, J.D., the, 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 the way Dennis Allen wants to win games, right? He wants to play defense, lean on that great defense, special yes. teams. I agree. You want to be a running team, probably. You want to be a little more like the Ravens. Yeah. You, know, you suddenly start to see at least a vision, right? You get Trey Lance in here. You have Chasem Hill. You draft another running back to go with Kamara, and all of a sudden you got something, right? You got, you, you know, you're moving away from Mike Thomas. You're going to be more of a a Baltimore Ravens style attack. At least you've got a plan on how a formula, and I could see that selling to the fans and. And I could see it actually potentially being successful. It's just different. And I think they have to think that way going into this offseason. I think something like that could possibly work. Yeah, and all my, um, let's see, lack of faith, I guess, and where this team is going, I will say this on the positive side. I agree 100%. I think if this team changes the direction of their offense and realize what I, this is what I want Pete Carmichael to do. Because you know what, honestly, I think he's a great, non-game day coach, if that makes sense. I think he's a great planner. I think he can help develop someone else. I want Pete Carmichael to say, you know what? Let's, I don't necessarily mean throw away this old playbook, but you want to talk about distancing yourself from Sean Payton? Pete Carmichael, get your own playbook. Do your own thing. Change, <laughs> adapt to your style. Do your thing. I want him to do that. I want Pete Carmichael to be his own man and say, whether he can do it, I don't know. I, but I think he can, and I think he can help develop a young quarterback. I, I believe that, that he comes up with good game plans. The problem is we haven't seen it enough. So that, that's what I want him to do. I want to, I want, and I want the team. Is the, just If you're going to move on from Sean Payton, move on from Sean Payton. And the problem was they had too much of Sean Payton's playbook, trying too many things, trying to fit in 
their own wrinkles here and there. Just forget about the wrinkles. Just use your own damn playbook. Well, they just need to determine an offensive identity. I agree. Uh, beyond what they have with Drew Brees and Sean Payton. I think that's critical to this offseason. And then I think Pete Carmichael's a smart guy. Uh, you know, Lombardi, if he comes back on board, I think he's going to have a decision because I think Sean Payton's going to come after him as well. Uh, you know, they're going to have to determine, you know, how they build this offense around, like all good coaches, you build it around the s- skill sets of the players you have available. I mean, Sean Payton, I don't know if, you know, in, in the book, writing the Payton and Breeze book, the one thing I learned was the Sean Payton offense isn't Drew Breeze and that style quarterback. The Sean Payton offense is a lot of stuff, and then they take what's in there and tailor it to the skill sets of the players they have. That's why when he was leaning heavily towards going with Taysom Hill, that was still a Sean Payton offense. They right. was all in there, and they just took the running stuff with Taysom Hill and built it into the, what the game plan was. So it's you know I think it's flexible enough that they can go with what they have. They just it's just a huge huge uh, offensive system that I think is flexible enough to uh, be conducive to whatever style quarterback they get. I'll say this. If I had to pick a one of the two teams that I'd rather be a fan of, at least next year and maybe the year after and going in the immediate future, I'd rather be a fan of the Saints than the Broncos. I got I mean, there is nothing I saw from Russell Wilson that makes that even Sean Payton and maybe he'll go back to being a semblance of, of himself. I don't know. But he had mental issues last year where, and I'm talking I'm not talking about off the field. I'm talking about on the field, where he just was indecisive when he when he did make decisions, they were bad. He was nothing like his former self. And I don't know if it was because of coaching. Um, you know, Nathaniel Hackett's supposed to be a quarterback guru. He worked with Aaron Rodgers for that long. Not that Aaron Rodgers needs a lot of help, but I, I just I I think the Saints are in a better position. I you know, you you could look at Denver's defense, which is really good, but the Saints defense I think is as good or maybe even a tinge better. So, depending on who comes in here, uh, now I know Denver also has Javante Williams coming back, which will be a, a huge, you know, they really missed him when he got hurt early in the season. They obviously missed him, and Melvin Gordon wasn't the answer. He can't do it by himself. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I think I'd rather be a fan of the Saints right now, I think. Well, you got some pieces out there, but Sean Payne's looking at it way beyond, you know, 2023. He's looking, you know, sustained success over the long haul. First things first, you know, get get a coaching staff assembled, establish a culture and a mindset, all the things he did when he came here. I mean, yeah. I, I'm just working on this, uh, you know, book with Steve Gleason, and we're actually on the chapter where Steve is talking about his memories of Sean Payton coming in in 2006 and establishing the culture right away. And it's really fascinating to get Steve's viewpoint on it. I mean, because he welcomed that. You know, he said there's people in the building that, were dying for hard coaching and how Sean Payton immediately set the tone by, you know, trading Dante Stallworth, who was a first round draft pick. And, and then a year later they cut member Antonio Pittman, the fourth yeah. round draft pick and, and kept Pierre Thomas as undrafted. He said those things resonated in the locker room. He's going to do those kind of things in Denver and establish, you know, an all in mentality. And I think you're right about Russell Wilson. I think it's going to be, a short leash for him. In other words, he's going to have about a year to prove that he can do it with Sean Payton. And if not, they're going to move on from him. 
But I do think the guy probably is humbled after last year, and he's probably welcoming Sean Payton to come in to help him resurrect his career. I think the key for him is going to be off the field. Does he want to kind of stop being the Russell Wilson brand and be the leader of a football team? I think that's where Sean Payton will help him. Yeah, I think Russell Wilson lost a lot of his teammates at some point last year, and that didn't help him either. We saw it. I don't remember what game it was where they lost. They gave up like 40 points, which is not a, a towards the end of the season, not a Denver defense at all, and basically said, you know, to hell with you, offense. You don't want to play. We're not going to play either. And I and I just I, I know Sean Payton will be able to change that mindset and say, look, we're not doing that kind of crap. But uh, he has a ton of work to do there. I it's a similar boat, I guess. To the one here, the well, only a Denver- lot worse, a lot worse here than Denver now. I mean, when he came in here in 2006, I mean, you talking about a challenge. I mean, so I think I think he's definitely capable. He knows what he's getting into with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and Justin Herbert, but I don't think he's intimidated. I mean, I've never known. Oh, he's never going to be intimidated. Be worried about a challenge. I think he's looking forward to it. Uh, William Lopez, uh, and this is a, this is a good question. I know we have talked about this, William. But uh, for people that have joined the show later or been in and out or whatever, we'll, we'll bring it up again because we're about to move on. Um, he says, just joining, a uh, great deal of buzz coming out of the Senior Bowl involved in Derek Carr and the Saints. What do you thought of a potential trade before Dunk talks about this? And, again, we've discussed this. But the possibility of a trade is becoming less and less likely because Derek Carr is not willing to, to change anything. It sounds like he wants to be a free agent. So, Dunk, I think you would agree that, the possibility of Derek Carr being traded at this point is is not very likely. Right, yeah, I think he's going to end up being cut. I mean, why trade something for him if you know the Raiders are moving on from him? They're right. probably going to have to cut him. It's, yep. it's similar to the Mike Thomas thing. Everybody knows in the league that the contract has a $34 million roster bonus in March, and, and they know the Saints aren't going to pay that. So, uh, you know, why trade for him when you can just wait till they cut him and you negotiate with without that? Yeah, and William also we talked about his other potential free agents. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is a possibility, but um, you know, Dunk says, and I and I agree. I mean, you never know what can happen. Strange things happen. Trey Lance could get traded. Uh, Justin Fields could get traded. They're all they're now, these could be the teams throwing off the scent of of people like Sean Payton was a master at throwing off the scent, especially when players that he wanted. How much different – Sean Payton would still be here, you'd have to think, had Andy Reid not jumped ahead of him and got Patrick Mahomes. Can And I, and we all know that that Sean wanted Patrick Mahomes to come. Could you imagine this franchise with Patrick Mahomes here? Yeah. I mean, it was, he told me he was the highest-graded quarterback he's ever had. I mean, of any quarterback he's ever rated. Uh, the, the so why did he go 11th? The thing that they told me, well, because he came out of that Texas Tech system, yeah. and and uh, you know there was a lot of questions on the spread offense, and not very many of those guys have panned out. I mean, look at the Lincoln Riley tree; very few of those guys have panned out. So yeah. I think I think there was concern about that. But what he did tell me was that on their board in 2017, they had Patrick Mahomes number one overall on the whole board, and they had uh, Marshawn Lattimore number three on the whole board. So when they were drafting, and suddenly I think the pick before was Buffalo, when when it came to Buffalo being on the clock, he knew they were going to get, no matter what, one of their top three players at number 11. And then the Chiefs traded up with Buffalo and took Mahomes right before them. But they still were happy because they were getting such great value at number 11. 
Yeah, there's no question about that. Barry has become a regular. We're going to show his comment. We thank you for uh, asking a question here, Barry. During an interview, Sean spoke on how hard it was to come to New Orleans, small market, not exactly a city coaches want to move their families to. His words, now it was a lot different in 2005 when Hurricane Katrina had basically demolished the city. So when he came here, it was much harder to come to New Orleans than it is now. He wants to know, will this hinder coaches wanting to join Dennis Allen in New Orleans? No, because what Peyton was referring to is post-Katrina New Orleans, which was half, you know, devastated or more than half, 80% devastated. And, uh, you know, it wasn't wasn't an operating, functioning city at that point. We weren't living here for a while. Yeah, I mean, Sean's line that he always used over and over was there were a lot more uh, cars going out of town than going in at that time. You know, a lot of people on the road, they were coming in, moving in, and most people were moving out. So, uh, yeah, to get – to put together a coaching staff was difficult back then because if you were a coach that had options, why would you choose to go there coming off three and 13 season uh, in a city that had been flooded with, you know, had school issues and hospital issues. I mean, coaches have to think of their families and things like that. Uh, and it wasn't just the NFL. It was anybody thinking about moving to New Orleans. You would consider it. Uh, you'd really have to have a reason to come here at that time. Jeff Duncan was riding around the city in a flat boat and a P-Rod. I mean, <laughs> at times after Hurricane Katrina, working, doing news stories. I mean, I'm sure you remember that. It wasn't that long. Uh, my, my favorite memory of that was taking baths in the backyard pools along Ottoman Park because there was no mm-hmm. working water. And people's abandoned homes, we were taking baths in their pools. They still don't know that we did that. I was going to say. And then the other was- thing was... Uh, David Meeks, our old boss, mm-hmm. procured a portalette from a construction site nearby so we could use the restroom. That's how we used the restroom throughout the reporting process. He commandeered one on the back of one of those times Picayune delivery trucks and just brought it to the house we were working out of so we'd have, you know, some facilities, if you will. Yeah, well, I lived in Baton Rouge for about two months with a bunch of other co-workers. It was a very interesting time. I was... Uh, Six Katrina hit, uh, let's see, 13 days of following the separation of my first wife. That was, that was a fun time. So we all went through a lot of things there, Katrina. So for Sean Payton to come here, you always have to respect that he was willing to do that. Andrew Brees, for that, for that matter. Now, again, I mean, you go and look say, well, Miami didn't want him. This might have been his only real option. But I think it worked out okay for everybody involved. So then going to that NFC Championship that first year, um, that might have meant as much of the city as actually winning the damn thing. Hey, you know, and let me just derail that real quick, that thought, because I wanted to say something real quick, because I actually kind of got, I wrote this column the other day about Peyton's legacy, and um, I really, because it's the last time we're all going to probably deal with Sean Payton yes. as we forward, and I just felt it was important for people to understand, like, there's this narrative going around that Sean Payton, at least among some people in the fan base, that he quit on the team and didn't want to come back to New Orleans. And there's all these rumors and speculation and, uh, and it's just not true. I mean, I've talked to Peyton at length about all this. Uh, he, he was burnt out. Now, you know, people keep bringing up this flirtation with Miami that has been so overplayed. You know what happened on that? Sean Payton was down in Cabo after last season, trying to decide if he was going to come back to New Orleans and everyone in the league knew it. And a lot of people knew he probably was going to take a year off or two years off, whatever. And so Stephen Ross, 
the owner of the Dolphins, called Don Yee because he thought, well, if Sean Payton's not going back to New Orleans, I want to let him know that we're thinking about making this move. And that was the extent of the tampering, was a call to his agent at the time. I've seen now people saying Sean Payton was putting together a staff and all this other stuff. It's so not true. And, and Sean Payton took a year off. He didn't know at the time of a year ago at this time how long he was going to be off. I mean, you got to remember, 10 years is kind of the going rate uh, for most NFL coaches. I've cited that in my column. Bill Walsh said, don't stay longer than 10 years. We saw what happened with Mike McCarthy in Green Bay. Saw what happened. Andy Reid, yes, Andy Reid in Philly. Uh, Bill Walsh left after 10 years in San Francisco. Joe Gibbs left after 11 in Washington. And they both ended up sitting out longer. They set out multiple years before they got back into it. Jim Moore burned out here like a flame, right, and had to quit midseason in 1996. These guys sometimes burn them, uh, you know, grind themselves to a pulp. So for people to think that it couldn't happen after right. 16 years, they're, they're trying to, you know, conspire to come up with a conspiracy theory. He needed time off. And so then, then this narrative developed that, 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 that he was offered a sabbatical. I asked Peyton directly about that. He said, absolutely not. I remember talking to Gail Benson myself, and she told me, she said, look, I told him, take as long as you want. If you have to take two weeks in Cabo, you have to take a month, we'll be here waiting for you. In other words, that's an owner saying, you know, don't make a rush decision. Now, there's a reality to that, and Sean Payton knew it too. You can't just take the whole six months of the offseason. Mickey Loomis has to have a head coach. They have to have a direction. They can't just take all that time. And as Payton told me, you can't just take a sabbatical. Who's going to be the interim head coach? How's that going to work? I don't know that, that one year is going to be enough when I'm walking away. Just like it wasn't enough for Joe Gibbs. It wasn't enough for Bill Walsh. So people saying this, he, he emphatically denied it. So, you know, and then back to what I was telling you before, we've talked about this before. He told me personally multiple times he was willing to come back to New Orleans in this past season. Now, he didn't want that to be firing Dennis Allen and bring me back. He said if it fell apart down there and things came to that, he would come back. He would consider it so much so that he was looking at the roster, and this was what he was doing with every potential opening, not just New Orleans, but he looked at the roster, determined where he would make changes, who he wanted to bring back, the coaching staff, the front office. He wouldn't have done that if everyone here and their conspiracy theories was saying he was done with New Orleans. Why would he even do it? Why would he even take the time? If he was done, he wouldn't have done it. So I am just wanted to set that record straight. Now, I understand why Mickey Loomis and Gail Benson didn't do it. I understand it. I think they're wrong. I think when you have a chance to get Sean Payton, you go get him. I think he's a Hall of Fame coach. They should have gone and gotten him. I realize it would call for the end of Dennis Allen here, who I like and who I think is a good coach. I get it. But you got a chance to get Sean Payton back. You get him, in my opinion. I understand why they didn't, but I, I think that record needed to be set straight. I agree that the record needed to be set straight. And the commenters and other fans watching and whoever else may listen to this podcast or watch this show later, who think differently or have their own opinions, I'm going to say this. My opinion, your opinion, doesn't mean Jack, because Jeff Duncan has talked to the man himself. So unless Sean Payton 
is just flat out lying, which that he has no reason to lie about any of these things, then Jeff Duncan would know before some of you guys in the comment stream that I haven't shown again because of the way you started out. And Here's the other you know, thing. You're Let me interrupt about. real quick. Here's the other thing. It's not just Sean Payton. Everybody thinks, oh, Sean Payton, we've heard him fib before. He's gonna... <clears throat> when you get information like that, it's corroborated from other people yes. yep. in the circle. It's corroborated from people on the Saints' side. It's numerous people. It's not just one person. And more important than that, I know Sean Payton really well. I've dealt with him for 16 years. We have a very good relationship. I know when he's lying, for the most part. I, I mean, I know when his agenda's there. You have to understand the context of these conversations. When he brought up coming here, he brought it up unsolicited. It wasn't in the context of me going, would you come back if it happened? And him saying, oh, yeah, I would. That could easily be stretching the truth in that context. This was brought up without me even asking about it. So there's a difference. And you know this, Jim, because we deal with people lying all the time. It's part of journalism. People lie to us. I can smoke out deception in a heartbeat. It's what I do. We seek the truth. So I have a very good BS meter. And I know when Sean Payton's kind of stretching the truth. He wasn't in this case. And it's been corroborated with other sources in the building. So just get it in your head. It, it wasn't, it, it was gonna, it could have happened. It would have been difficult for it to happen. Very difficult. I don't think you could've. can, I don't think you can work, do the job that we do without having a good BS meter. I think it's why a lot of sports writers, and I know plenty of them, um, who love to play poker, and most of them are pretty good at it because we're pretty good at stiffing out lies. And um, if, if you can't, you're not going to stay in this business for 30 years, 30-plus 30 years, of, as Duncan and I both have been. And, yes, we're old, in case you were wondering. We're both old, and we've both been in this business for a long time. Okay, we're going to move on from Sean Payton. We actually spent – I wanted to spend a half an hour and ended up turning into longer than that. We're going to get our full thoughts on the Super Bowl dunk next week, um, and we'll give our predictions next week um, and those things. But uh, I do want to touch on it. Um, I, I think that, you know, the Chiefs to me – and we're going to talk about the Eagles, but the Chiefs have shown – that throughout this season had that little air of attitude. And I'm not going to make my final prediction yet. i, I got to be honest. I don't know my final prediction yet. I know where I'm leaning. Um, and I think it will be obvious to what I say here. But the Chiefs kind of went into the season, and people were talking about the Bills and the Bengals, and they're, they're up, and they, they, they showed it last week with the attitude, and they lost to the Bills and the Bengals in the regular season. But there's something about this Chiefs team, and there's this little little thing of attitude going on and going into the Super Bowl, I can kind of feel it. I don't know if that's going to lead them to a victory or not, but there's something going on. And the Chiefs, more than just wanting to win the Super Bowl, which they obviously do, they got something to prove. Yeah, you know, I think Philadelphia is probably a better all-around team, but I'm with you. I feel like Kansas City is a little bit on a mission and has the, maybe the intangible factors going for them. The other thing, and, and I haven't formulated my final thoughts either, but I'm kind of leaning toward KC. The other thing that hits me is Philly's had maybe the easiest road to get to the no doubt. history of the NFL. I mean, Ever. a Giants team that's kind of rebuilding at home who they've already beaten. 
And then they, I mean, the, the, the 49ers game was might as well have been a no contest. Yeah. So, uh, and everything kind of went their way, right? They got the, the big play at the beginning with Devontae Smith that was really should have been overturned. You know, they get the injury to Purdy. I mean, just everything, it's not going to be that easy this time. And I just feel like this team hasn't encountered a lot of adversity. And they had the easiest regular season schedule in the NFL. Yeah, so I'm kind of in, uh, leaning towards KC, but I, I'm with you. I, I need to think more about it because I do really believe in what Philly's doing. I mean, I think they're very difficult. They they caused some problems for the Niners' defense that I was I was really didn't anticipate. I mean, that running game is serious with that offensive line they've got and Agreed. Jalen Hurts' threat uh, and the movement that they create. Uh, it's serious stuff there, and it's really when I was talking earlier about the Saints. And, you know, maybe thinking about doing something like that, getting creative. I could see the Saints seeing what Philly's doing and thinking that would work for us. we got a really good defense. we got a good offensive line. Uh, let's get a quarterback in there that can run that kind of system. Uh, and you could make hay with that. So uh, I think that could give the Chiefs some problems, that running game. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because I, I agree wholeheartedly. And uh, that's one of the unknowns. Um, but – you know, you're talking about a team that's as experienced in Kansas City. All those guys have been through this run before. Or not all of them, but most of them have been through this run before. Um, as much as we used to get on Steve Spagnola when he was here, um, he has been known to do good job, a, a good job in big games. I'm worried about that blitz, though, and I'm not sure that his blitz mentality is going to work as much on Jalen Hurts. And... Uh, but will Jalen Hurts respond? I mean, he's been in a big game in college, but I mean, he got pulled from a national championship game and didn't do very well in his in his other college football playoff game. So I don't know how Jalen Hurts is going to respond. And then, to me, the besides Patrick Mahomes, the 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 number one A uh, kind of tete a tete, I guess, is Andy Reid against Nick Sirianni. I mean, Sirianni's got an, an ego the size of of where I'm doing the show right now but Andy Reid I mean couldn't you see him and I've heard grumblings of this couldn't you see him saying when the let's win this Super Bowl and I'm going to ride off into the sunset yeah I've heard a lot of people in the industry talk about that matter of fact I had someone in the industry this week reach out to me that said they were hearing that that could be a potential spot for Sean Payton if if they held out that long so uh, there's obviously some validity to that and I could definitely see that see that potentially happening. So, yes, that gives them an intangible factor, and, and I agree with you. The two most important aspects of a football team are the quarterback and the head coach, and I think KC has a decided edge in both. And uh, I don't care what anybody says. What Patrick Mahomes has done through the course of this postseason, as brief as it's been, to play on – I don't think people understand, you know, we joke about Toes and Michael Thomas and Brandon Ingram and all that. I don't think people understand how hard it is to play on a high ankle sprain, no matter what position you play. And to play at the level that he played last Sunday against Cincinnati is, it's mind-boggling. I mean, he threw for 328 yards, and then the dude, when it comes down to it, makes that run. He gets shoved out of bounds, clearly shoved out of bounds, by the way. There's no conspiracy there. I mean, he was shoved. He was two two steps out of bounds. But to, to even make that play and to get to the first down stick to get his, himself, get his team a chance, I don't care what anyone says. 
There's no better player in the NFL right now, and one day may never be a better player. I'm not saying he's there yet, but he may end up being the best player that's ever played this game. Wow. Oh, good man. I'm, well, I'm he's never, I've never seen anything like, the, like it. Yeah, I agree, because he's got the mental toughness. He too. does. That's, that's what's really impressive about him. And I agree. You know, we talked about it last week. You could tell they had that edge about Cincinnati. That was that was a good bet to make last week, Kansas City. You and I talked about it. Yeah, uh, you know, I got home, something right. They're home. They're you know we're underdogs early on, and and I know the line moved, but um, I think they're going to be they're underdogs in this game too. So I I, I kind of lean toward them, but you know I think it's going to be a great game. I'm more interested in getting your thoughts next week about what you think. Is it going to be high scoring or not? Because I think it could be, but I don't. I haven't set my, you know, thought process on that yet. I think it's going to be an entertaining game, though. Yeah, next week we're going to spend a lot of time talking about matchups and uh, you know the the coaches and all these different things. We're going to it's, look next week's going to be. If you want to hear about the Saints, next week's probably not the show for you unless something happens during the week. I mean, we'll touch on them uh, if they hire a defensive coordinator. We'll we'll certainly talk about that, but. Uh, this was the week to talk about the Saints week, and we have. And uh, next week's going to be pretty much a Super Bowl show before uh, Dunk and I both take – well, you probably won't be taking a ton of time off. You're going to be writing your book. But uh, I'm going to be taking a little – I take Mardi Gras season off, a lot of it off, and I'm going to do that again. Smart man. Clear my head. Yeah, I, I got to – and, you know, I ride in Endymion, so uh, so I'm always looking forward to that. That is two weeks from tomorrow, hard to believe. Crazy. But uh, yeah, we'll get into all the matchups and stuff next week. All right, before we close the show out today, uh, prepare yourselves. We got to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. Another brutal. We yeah, we have to. I, I think I think we need to at least touch on it. Um, <clears throat> look, they're trying. I mean, there's a lot of teams that go into a, a a tailspin like this team is going in, and you can you can't say they're not trying, and it's just. You get into these slumps, Dunk, and we see them through professional franchises. You and I are huge baseball fans. It happens to even the best baseball teams. Even the best baseball teams, maybe not going to 10-game losing streaks, but going five- and six-game losing streaks throughout the course of a season, and they're able to get themselves out of it. I'm not sure. I think the Pelicans will be good again when Zion comes back. It's obviously give them a big boost, but this stretch of schedule has been brutal. They're going to have to find a – once they break that, that schneid, I think, I think they'll be fine. It's just finding a way to win that first game and getting that streak over with. Yeah, look, they got an opportunity because they come back home here. But, man, it's a tough home schedule. But I think at this point, Willie Green, David Griffin, uh, that, that leadership out there, they almost have to recalibrate what their goals and expectations are. Because I think at one time you're looking at potentially, you know, being a top seed in the West and – I don't think that's really realistic anymore. Oh, no. Uh, you know, they just need to get in the, into the postseason. Uh, you know, getting get, into the top four is realistic, though. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you got to get Zion back, got to get him healthy. The problem with that kind of injury, it's very finicky. You can't rush it. Uh, and what really concerns me most is knowing Zion's history with, you know, trying to keep weight off. I mean, he's a big man. Just genetically, you've ever seen his – his dad. I mean, his dad was a, a defensive tackle in college, so he he's a big man by nature, a big frame. That's why Zion is such a freak of nature as an athlete. Uh, so, and I think having a hamstring injury, it's difficult to get in shape, right? When you do that, yeah. you can't do a lot of cardio. I know they can put him in a pool, they can do some things, but in other words, what I'm saying is, even when he gets healthy, 
I think it's going to take him a little while to get in basketball shape, and, and they can't really rush that because then they get him a setback. So uh, I'm just trying to temper expectations. They just need to get into the playoffs somehow, uh, you know, get over the hump like you said. It's probably not going to happen until after the All-Star break, and they just got to somehow tread water and not and just get a win anywhere they can because uh, this losing streak has been devastating for them. They're, they're right now in the bubble of, of making the playoffs, and I don't see any hope in sight with the future schedule. Well, you know, you look at last night. Uh, you know, they're down, and they've found themselves in this situation before. Now, maybe not being doubled up at 62-31, to 31, which is what they were at one point last night. And then the first half, they gave up 70 points in the first half to the Mavericks. And then they only allowed 41 points in the second half. So, now, granted, Luka Doncic went out, and that changed things for the, for the Pels. But they had already started coming back a little bit. Um, how does this team avoid from getting themselves in, in deep holes? Because if they could just find a way to stop doing that, I think they'd be okay. Well, that game last night felt to me, weird. Yeah, I'm looking at it from the other side. It felt to me like Dallas let up off the accelerator, and that's always dangerous. I've seen it happen too many times in sports yep. where you start tra- thinking uh, the coaching staff, Jason Kidd, thinking, well, let's start emptying the bench, you know, yeah. we're thinking about down the road, and all of a sudden the game flips on you, you're on your heels, the other team's got uh, confidence and momentum, and we saw that happen. Uh, I think they, they, they let up too quickly in that game and almost paid the price. Credit as you said, the Pels for not giving up. That's the best thing I've seen out of this team. I mean, they did, they play hard almost every night. Willie Green really has established a great mentality and culture there, and that's something to be encouraged about. But they got to figure this thing out because you know they're they're basically losing with everybody but Zion right now. That's and I right. know they're playing good teams, but uh, they're going to be playing good teams in the postseason too. You know, so uh, they've got to get back on track. And I think this home stretch coming up gives them a great opportunity. I will say also that I thought Brandon Ingram looked more like himself last night. He's still, he's still missing that you know that mid-range jump shot that he that's almost automatic, you know the one right next yeah. to the free throw line. He's still he's still missing that a little bit. But I I think last night was a big step towards him getting back to where he was. And when he gets back to where he he needs to be, this team's going to be much better off. Obviously, the captain obvious statement in the morning. I thought that was one interesting thing last night, Dunk. And I was kind of joking about it with my son to see Kyra Lewis come in and play. So first of all, he played very poorly, but when it, when he came in, it was almost like showcasing his, this guy. He's going to be part of a trade. I would think. Yep. That's why he's playing. There's no doubt about it. They're getting ready to make a move. You can sense it. It's you can hear the, the you know rumors coming out of camp. They've got to make a move. They need clearly at this point, uh, you know, they're not building for the future anymore here. They're trying to, you know, become. And they have a lot of capital, unlike their 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 brothers, the New Orleans Saints. They have a lot of room to do a lot of things. And they and they know, well, they know their core, right? You know, you got your core. So now you just got to start building around that and uh, bolstering that core. They don't need to find the core assets anymore. They got it. So yeah. uh, there's no reason to have those draft picks other than to use it to try and win a championship. I mean, there's a window of opportunity here, and I think they know that, and I expect them to make a deal. There's no doubt that's why Kyra Lewis was playing last night. Uh, and played quite a bit before they finally, Willie finally said enough and brought in Jose Alvarado, and, you know, that that's when things started getting a little bit better. Um, the schedule, look, we, we've, we've talked about this a lot. 
Um, I think Christian Clark came on Bayou Bets yesterday and said that the the Pels, as brutal as he said, he's never seen a brutal as brutal a stretch as the one that the Pels have gone through. I mean, just night after night. You look at the last three on this list. Mavericks were the easiest of the bunch. Nuggets, number one in the West. Bucks, number two, I think, in the East, but really could be number one. Um, and then, you know, they played the Celtics a couple of weeks ago twice. They played the Heat twice. They played, I mean, the Nuggets now they played twice in a couple of weeks. So this has just been an absolute brutal piece of the schedule. It's a little bit easier, and you look at the homestand coming up. This is three of the four games, and, you know, the Lakers are playing much better right now. They look like they're trying to make a playoff push. Uh, LeBron's edging towards that that false facade uh, number one point scorer in NBA history. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. Um, and then they play the Kings, who are, I mean, the Kings are a really good basketball team. They're number three right now in the West. I know. And so that's going to be a huge game. So these next two games, to me, Dunk, not only are big as far as the Pels getting some of their confidence back, but they're big as far as making a move now, getting back to where they want to be in the Western Conference. Yeah, I think I think they got to try and win at least two of them, right? I mean, uh, they got to they got to get back in the mix here and get a little confidence back. Yeah, and you can just see the confidence is uh, you know sapped from this team right now. And I agree with you though. I mean, look, it's a long season. There's still a lot of games after the All Star break. Uh, they've got to get Zion healthy, and then they've got to kind of get back into a rotation. I mean, Christian had a, a stat the other day that just blew my mind that Zion. And Brandon Ingram have played 12 games together since Willie Green took over. That's, his coach. that's insane. That's unbelievable. So it really is. Uh, that kind of paints the picture of what's happened here over the last year and a half. Even LeBron and AD have played that more games together than that. <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's kind of insane. But it, it goes to show the the major difference between football and basketball and baseball. In basketball and baseball, you can endure a semi long losing streak. I mean, you think about. 10 games, that's that's one-eighth of your season. In baseball, one-sixteenth of your season. I mean, in football, the Saints went through that slump and got the four and eight and played way better the last part of the season. But it was, well, it was kind of too late. They beat Tampa. That's a whole different story, and, and they're back in it. But that doesn't, you don't usually get that opportunity. So you can't have three- and four-game losing streaks in the NFL, but you can endure eight, ten-game losing streaks in basketball and baseball. And I think the Pals, we sh- they showed last year, Dunk, as we – I'll make this the final comment, but they showed last year that Willie Green got this team ready the last two months of the season, and they were nobody wanted to play the Pelicans the last two months of the season last year. I think it's going to be a similar thing this year. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. And but I think this Lakers game is big because you know the I Lakers agree. are looking at this like, hey, this is a this is a two game flip, right? That's right. Game. And so they're going to come in here with some confidence. Uh, that's going to be a big game for the Pels. I think that's going to be a great crowd. Uh, I agree. You know, I, I think the Reno will be rocking. Everybody knows the history with the Lakers. So uh, that's a big game. If they lose that game, uh, you know, I think that could hurt their psychologically in a lot of ways. So we'll see how they come out. You know they're going to give it everything they got. I know that they just played. I know that it's the Pacers, and the Pacers aren't a great basketball team. But the attitude that the Lakers showed last night, Showed me that they're they're back and trying hard. I know they go through their little spurts where they, you know, AD's hurt again and LeBron's going to sit out this game and whatever. But I th- you can expect the Lakers to come into uh, the Smoothie King Center and, and and give it all tomorrow. I think at five o'clock on Saturday. All right, Dunka. Uh, next week we are going to have the big 
where are you going to buy my king cake reveal? We're going to have to figure that out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, matter of fact, I'm going to have to get a king cake right now. So you know, uh, where are you where are you going this week? I'm going down to Bywater Baker. I never made Again? it down. I thought you went uh, last no, week. No, no. Well, I went down there, but they didn't have the Chantilly one, so oh, I didn't okay. buy one because I wanted. I'm specifically going to get the Chantilly king cake. Is Chantilly cake? Can you really have a king cake that's Chantilly? I mean, I'm going to find out. Isn't Chantilly cake like this wet cake? Yeah. Thing with just like whipped cream and type. delicious. I'm not saying it's not going to be delicious, but I'm not sure that's king cake. We're gonna have, we're gonna have a show next next we're gonna have like a special Wednesday show, and it's gonna be just about king cakes, and no one will watch. But we're gonna we're gonna have a debate on what is a king cake and what is not. I'm look, you talk about it being like moist and everything. The last thing I want in a king cake is a dry king cake. I hate. I'm not saying it's got to be cardboard like brown. No. Give me a break. I'm not asking for that. I mean, you can, but I'm not talking. I don't. There's a difference between. Can we have in the middle between dry and wet? I'm I mean, a, and nothing I'm against bywater. Filling man, I'm a filling guy. Give me, give me the cream cheese and all that. I stuff. am too, and my wife hates the filling. So we never, we never get filling king cakes. But I could tell you this: the king cake that you are going to buy me is going to be a filling king cake because it's my king cake. And if she doesn't want to eat any of it, she doesn't have to. I'll eat the whole damn thing by myself. I like it's, it. It is what it is. And uh, All right. We'll, yeah. we'll do that next week. We'll figure that out. All right. I can't wait. I said it kind of like a jerk there at the end, didn't I? All right. I can't wait. No, I mean, I'm excited about the king cake. I mean, you know, who wouldn't be? Besides the fact that I actually was right about something and Jeff Duncan was wrong. And that's good enough. Is it? I mean, I beat his ass almost every year in fantasy baseball. But this is different. This is a football pick. And we're going to have our picks next week on the Super Bowl, as we told you there. Um, that's what this show is mostly going to be next Friday. There is no show on Monday. I am taking Datitude off. And so if you want a little future glimpse into Datitude, um, no show Monday. We'll have our last live show of the, I guess, season uh, with Duncan and I on next Friday. Then there'll be a show the following Monday, the day after the Super Bowl, and then that's it for a while. Um, we are going to take our Mardi Gras break, uh, as I did last year, and as I'm probably going to do almost every year. Uh, next year, it's weird because the Mardi Gras is the, the Tuesday after Super Bowl Sunday, so we'll figure that out next year. But I'm going to take a little break. So uh, after a week from Monday, it'll probably be two and a half weeks before we have another show. And then we'll get into our, you know, off-season chat. We'll talk about the Pelicans. Um, that's when we really get into the off-season chat. And that's when I go and uh, spread my guests around. And uh, we had some really, really good guests last off-season. We'll try to do that again. Uh, I know Mickey came on. Jamora was on. Ricky Jackson was on. They had Dale Brown on. David Baker. So we've had some really good guests. It's going to be hard to top that list from last year, but we're going to we're going to do our best and try. But uh, that's after we take a little break and uh, we'll return somewhere either the end of this month or um, beginning of March. We'll, we'll figure that out as we go along. But that is going to end it for today. And I was trying to think, all this king cake talk and, you know, the fact that I, you know, anyone that knows me at all, I mean, even just a little bit, knows that I am into Mardi Gras. Hence why I 
take a lot of time off, or not a lot of time, but as much time as I can during the Mardi Gras season. Um, <clears throat> I am definitely a parade guy. I ride in a parade. I'll talk about that next week um, if anybody wants to come holler at me. Um, but it's a great time to spend with my family and kids. We all love it. And again, I've said this before, you know, during football season, it's not all that much different for a sports writer than it is for a player or a coach. We spend a lot of time doing what we do. And so, you know, 70% of our energy is spent from the end of July slash beginning of August until Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, it, it, that's what it is. I mean, that's what you sign up for when you live in a football town, and we live in a football town. So um, I'm going to try to refresh, but as I do, I'm going to enjoy Mardi Gras, and it is most definitely carnival time, ladies and gents. And if you're not from New Orleans, then, and if, you, if you're not from New Orleans and you never lived here or have only been here a couple of times, well, first of all, Thank you and love you for listening to the show. Uh, but second of all, this is, you know, part of what we do celebrating Carnival is our music. And it dates back, well, multiple decades. But this tune is from the 50s and Al Johnson. And it's one of my favorites during Carnival time because the title of it is Carnival time. And we're going to have fun. But first, next week, I am going to spend all week next week Going through analysis and trends and all sorts of different things. It'll be up on bet.nola.com. We have shows, Buy You Bets on Monday, Buy You Bets on Thursday, and then Datitude next Friday. So it's going to be a lot about the Super Bowl, much less about the Saints. I know you're probably okay with that. We've had enough Sean Payton talk for a while. We've even probably had enough Saints talk for a little bit. So we're going to gear up Kansas City and Philadelphia. Who do we like? Well, we will tell you during the week. Jeff Duncan and I will make our predictions next Friday. We hope you have a wonderful weekend and a great week spending it with the ones you love the most. Give them a little hug for me. A little hug for me. Can you do that? All right, we'll talk to you next Friday. Peace and love, my friends. Peace and love.